listening to Hope Alive, your number one online Christian radio station. The day rather that we speak about Manate um, Biz with Ndogozo, author, speaker, podcaster. Today he is at a, an entrepreneurship event as we speak. He's gone to the car to say, hey, let me just uh, do this interview. So we're going to speak all things business and uh, contracts because that was the last conversation we had. The time is 11 minutes. If you have got a small business, you've got questions that you want to send our way, 067-153-1089 is the number you could use to touch base with us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Sipo. How are you doing? I am fantastic. It has been weeks, huh? <laughs> <laughs> too, not too long, way, way too long. It is way too long, and such is life, you know. I mean, before we even get into the conversations that we're going to have today, how do we, how important is it, especially for small businesses, to adapt, to be adaptable to life situations? Because I think that we can be as prepared as we like, but we don't decide what life presents us with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is one of the most important things that you need as an entrepreneur, really. Uh, I think I once mentioned it, that it is called uh, tolerance of ambiguity. You know, your ability to adapt to a situation and still come out on top. You need to learn that skill as soon as possible if you want to survive or succeed as an entrepreneur. Mm. Still on that same um, topic, you know, of uh, learning this, um, but learning that, when is a time to change course? In the business, maybe let's say Kirikisa Maguinya and Maguinya Aka are not moving as well as they ought to, and it's the season for it because it's winter. Everybody wants a Maguinya, but Oami, our movie as fast. When is it time to change course, and which part of that course do I change? Do I change the Maguinya size? Do I change where I'm positioned? What is it exactly? When do I make those decisions and what do I take into account when I'm making those decisions? Yeah, no, it's funny because that's like one of the things I was telling the kids here in, in my talk today, mm. um, how, you know, one of the things you need to learn to identify is when to pivot. You know, we call it a pivot. And you look at some of the most successful businesses in the world are as a result of a pivot. Mm. Uh, Instagram didn't is what it is right now. You know, um, even Samsung didn't start off as it is right now. They were selling, you know, I think spices or something like that, or wheat or barley, but they ended up changing, you know. So it's so, so important to be able to identify a time when you need to move either to another business or to, you know, change and, and tweak a, a few bits there in your business. And what I was saying is that, you know, one of the best ways to do that is you know, when you're starting to see uh, a significant dwindling, you know, whether it's number of users or number of customers or the lack of interest, what you need to do is we call it monkey barring, right? When mm. you're still holding on to one bar, you know, and you're trying to swing to another. So don't completely let go and, you know, try the new idea because that's mm. how you end up having finish. still hold on to this one, but start testing the waters with another idea, start testing the waters with, you know, a different concept, a different name, a different location. And then if you're seeing that it's, it's, it works out, you know, and it's increasing your numbers and your passion, your heart will guide you. If it's starting to get, in, get directed in that direction, then, then it's time to move on. I like that. I like the effect of monkey barring because a lot of times we want to abandon what is is which is not working, but it is, you know, uh, in the sense that it exists. It's here. It's concrete. Mm. We see it. We It's not 
bearing the fruit that we needed to, but we have it for what we think we can get. And in the midst of being in between the two spaces, we end up losing both because we let go too soon of the other and we didn't reach fast enough for the next. So maybe also just um, how do we let go when it does? it is the time to let go whilst yeah. also having enough agency to move on to the next? Because I think rhythm there plays a massive role as well. Timing plays a, little, a, a massive role as well. Yeah, no, that's true. No, and, and really, it's one of the things that most entrepreneurs struggle with. Because when you come up with a business, it becomes your baby, you know? Even if it's not working, when you want to keep holding on, you know, it reminds me of the story of Blockbuster when Netflix came along. You know, they did not want to change, even though they, they knew that the world was changing towards, you know, streaming. Because I'm sure the, the owners believed, hey, this is my baby. I, this is what I wanted. This was my vision. I don't want to move. But, you know, you are, as an entrepreneur, by definition, a value provider to people. So you mm. have to respond to what the people are saying or to, to towards the, the, the trends that, you know, they, they want to take. If they no longer want your product, it doesn't matter how great it is in your mind. Mm. So you really need to be consistently doing your research. That's why companies spend millions on research and development. Parts of that is invested in finding out what the customers are doing now, what do they like, how are they speaking. So you need to also be constantly doing that as a, as a small business owner and follow it, you know. Stop saying this is your baby, you know. You can have other babies in, in that sense. You know, we were talking about Likau, how he started so many other businesses that he abandoned, but now I don't think he minds abandoning them now that he's got drift, you know. Mm. So you really need to yourself as a small business owner not to get too attached to a particular business because ultimately it's the value of your idea and of your experience that you want to give to other people not necessarily one particular business and i mean he is an interesting factor to touch on because uh, he was a sp- uh, celebrating three years only i mean drip is only three years now and i think when we're speaking about timing is very important because drip came about in the scene really publicly through the COVID time when the audience were at home, when people were on the socials, much like TikTok. TikTok, had COVID not happened, I don't think it would have had that, that, um, that spread and that, you know, burst into the scene because people would have been busy doing life. Why should I be doing little videos and adapting sounds? But because everybody was sitting at home, everybody was tired of watching the same movies on Netflix, the entertainment industry was no more working, there was not much new content out there. So TikTok became what it became because people then decided that, you know what, we need other streams of entertainment and ways and then they started to create their content themselves and that was moved around and during that time it grew faster than it probably would have if the situations or the Mm. timing was different but anyway let's get Mm. into today's conversation and topic which is a very interesting one um we're speaking about contracts we touched on this the past few weeks when we had um we were just looking at a different conversation but then we we ended up speaking about how do how does businesses, you know, how do we set up contracts for employees? Do we just, and I mean, especially as a small business, because a lot of things that we're speaking about, we're speaking about startups and entrepreneurs that is the main, might not necessarily have the funding to bring in lawyers and stuff like that. So I want us to get into that part of the conversation. Where do we start when it comes to even setting up contracts? Or maybe I should ask, why is it important for small businesses to have contractual agreement 
with itself, with its employees, and with its service providers? Yeah, I know it's a good question, you know, and, and, and it's always that catch-22 between it being needed and it costing too much money for more business. That's why, you know, uh, they have, they've come into the scene, some, you know, alternatives. But, you know, I would say, you know, by, by definition, when you register a company, you're registering a, a, a juristic, it's called a juristic person. So, the you know, uh, the government recognizes it as a person, a legal entity. So, by definition, when you start registering a company, you've entered into a legalistic sort of a relationship with this entity. So, it becomes better to move into um, contracts as soon as possible. I'm not saying don't start if you don't have your contracts. No, you can still start and work with the people you work with, but just have it at the back of your mind or, you know, as your one of your short-term goals as a business to get the contract ready as soon as possible. Because if you don't, they can be, and there has been a lot of arguments, a lot of fights because things were not documented because now the person is saying, no, you promised me 50%, where I actually promised you 10%. But at least when things are contracted, we all know. No, I told you this is 10%. And now when we have millionaires, you're 10%. So mm. it becomes hard to be a case when you don't have contracts. And we don't know really how soon your business is going to boom, right? And if you haven't done your contracts before your business booms, you run the risk of really people claiming things that they really weren't entitled to. So I would say move into it as soon as possible. In terms of the cost, um, you know, again, we go back to that thing where we said it's always better to have co-founders, right? Even mm. if that person is a 50 founder, but if you know someone who is a lawyer or who's got a legal degree or got the expertise, it's good to bring them in, you know, to help you with these contracts. You know, you're not paying them. They're going to get a certain percentage. Um, they know they're going to be paid in the future. You do those things because at least you, you, you're covered on one side. And again, investors start trusting you more because they see this legal person, you know, on your, your list of employees. But lastly, um, there are a lot of templates, you know, there are a lot of legal templates. Like I've used templates that I've found online were so good that lawyers asked me to share those templates. Mm. <laughs> you know, so they are you find online, you know, you literally Google employment contract, share issue contract, and, you know, template at the end, just put template and you read through it and you see if it, you know, applies to what you, you're, you're trying to do and maybe get some advice here from someone when you want to add something new or something like that. But for basic employment and basic share issue, you will find those templates online. Let's speak about, um, I mean, and I like the effect of, um, being able to 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 check information online because sometimes we think I need to get a lawyer and also I know that um, spaces like PNA and CNA shops like that sometimes uh, selected uh, pick and pays as well would have certain uh, templates for uh, legal documents that you did then just need to fill in names and you can really just sign but how important is it to to still in that instance raise enough money at least for a consultation because you might think that ah, I've covered every ground because you're only speaking from what you know, right? As a, a small business, you're only speaking from where you are. You are like, ah, but he's my friend. I'm his friend. We are friends. Also, this paper says this and that. So it's fine. And lines really do get blurred easy, even when we are signing that because we don't have the perspective of the future. So maybe I will ask it like this. How important is it to... One, um, bring in, still get advice on those templates, but also does that advice always have to be 
from a legal aspect? Could it be, could we outsource mentorship in that space, in that regard? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a good one um, because you, you, you want to be as safe as possible. But to be honest, um, looking at the landscape of legal South Africa, um, most of those contracts you get are pretty ironclad for the basic things, you know, like your employment contracts, for example, or your share issue contract, you know. And the reason why I'm saying that is that if somebody is going to come through and try and disprove or find a loophole in a contract, they need to afford a very expensive lawyer. So I don't think that the people that you're hiring or the people that you're studying <laughs> business with are brilliant lawyers that are going to crack that contract. So those contracts are pretty unclear. But I would say that it's good to also then get it in front of a lawyer for them to say, okay, you're missing this maybe or you're missing that, but not for them to draw it up because they're going to charge you a whole lot more money to draw it up than to give mm. you, like you say. So I would say then as a minimum, try and get someone you know who's a lawyer. If you can't, then go, there are some companies, you know, um, like Legal Legends that help specifically small businesses. So their consultations are really cheap because they're catered directly to small businesses. So they can, you can go to them and say, here's my contract. Just tell me what I need to add or remove. I don't do it for me because then that's where they want to, want you to pay more. Mm. Just get the consultation and get out of there because then you will have paid even less than a thousand rand. I love that. I love that because ultimately in the pursuit, especially when you're still starting out, you want to save as much as you can, but get as much value as possible so you want to get the yeah. premium knowledge you want to get access to the information but you don't want it to cost you an arm and a leg because you don't have that budget yet right yeah no definitely and these are some of the things that i've seen work quite well um like i say i've submitted the contract of on online um to top ceos mm. you know and they've been hey this is a good contract where, where should i sign you know mm. um so they they good i mean okay of course i'm helped by you know the some legal knowledge that's what i'm saying one extra step then would just to get a lawyer preferably someone you know so you can save costs mm. just to have a look at it if there's something missing mm. then then you're safe i like that we're gonna take a, a, a song on the other side of the song um i want us to get into what are some of the skills that are important to have when getting ready to, I mean, as a small business, because when we're speaking about getting contracts and stuff, and a lot of times small businesses, you are, you, we start off, you know, we have, we have this disregard for education as entrepreneurs, because you are like, ah, hey, man, kihona wetsa garage and then and that's why Kota Joe then came into South Africa and became such a big company, which started making billions of rands, whereas quarters were always being made in the township, but none of those mothers were able to convert it into a national business, into a global business. So I want to get into a conversation of what are some of the important factors and things that we, could, we should take into account as small businesses in our formative stages that will help because we are still speaking about contract, but sometimes you'll miss certain things in within the, that are necessary for a contract because you are lacking these skills. 
Right, here's uh, Jesus is Mine by Spirit of Praise featuring Takindo and Utumim Kokstad. The time is 26 minutes past the hour six. If you are in small, a small business or maybe you're a family person and you want to just uh, ask us a question that you could have always say that any of these conversations we're having here, you could use them to how you do life, to how you do career, to how you do family or even friendship. So 067-153-1089 is the number to connect with us. Send us that voice note or text message with the hashtag Midday Hangout. Jesus is mine, a spirit of praise featuring Takindo and uh, Tumim Kokstad. If you are just tuning in, it is uh, half past one and it is a Mnati Monday with Tuntogozo Slajwayo, author, speaker, podcaster. You know, you need to watch the business forecast on YouTube where you get to mainly what we do on the show is take the conversations that he had with his guests there and unpack them. But sometimes we bring in new conversations like this one of contracts because we know that it's something that you want to hear and maybe it's questions that you have been sending us that we want to unpack. So if you want to learn more about that, if you are a small business, he brings in some of the most profound leaders in the sector of uh, business, of finance, and some entrepreneurs that will really inspire you to go out and invest in that dream of yours. Dogozo. Hey, sir. So let's get into this. Um, on what are some of those factors that people need to take into account um, that will help them in decision making? Because, yes, school is not the solution for everybody. Everybody will come and tell you that, ah, Smang Mang didn't do school, dropped out in first year. But their IQ, they don't take that into account. They don't take the fact that maybe they dropped out of school in terms of formal uh, formal um, schooling, but they didn't stop learning, you know? So what are some of the things that we need to take into account so that we are able to be sober enough to know what kind of contracts we need and so forth? Yeah, it's a great point, you know, because access to information South Africa in the past had been so limited that all you had to do, I mean, if if you didn't have the professional knowledge, i.e. if you didn't study it, then you were completely unknowledgeable about it. But, you know, thank God for, you know, apps such as, you know, YouTube, because nowadays there is actually access to information even about the South African legal system and things along those lines. A few months ago, I needed some, you know, some legal advice, so to speak, you know, so I went to YouTube and I found there's a host of South African lawyers who literally posted content there about a variety of legal issues, about how to do certain things, how certain things work, you know. So really, I would advise that if you don't have that in, that knowledge inherently, go to YouTube. Maybe people didn't know about this, but there is quite a lot that you can find from there that can help you in terms of the basic build, building blocks of legal knowledge and legal terminology that you need to know about, you know, business in South Africa, because you need to know about things like taxes. You need to know about things like annual returns. Mm. And these are things that people get, you know, get put in, you know, uh, in the toll for that, you know, when your business is starting to grow or when you're looking for funding a sponsorship, you don't have these certain documents because you didn't know. So it would, go, it would do you good to spend, you know, a, a, a few weekends just doing the necessary research of the basic building, building legal building blocks in the country and you will find them on youtube a lot 
I know articles are still quite lacking on, on Google, but I know YouTube has increased in terms of um, quality when it, it comes mm. to business. I even think one of the most critical skills that has become a need in our con- in our uh, society is um, just having basic computer literacy you know because Mm. we assume that everybody knows how to use these devices and these you know because phones Mm. have got the apps and laptops have got it you can download and stuff and then we assume that a person can go to an internet cafe and know what to do but a lot of people don't actually interact with the computer at all in their life and when sure. you start asking for them to send an email, they don't know where to start when you're sending because they, mm-hmm. they're using their cell phone number to have, a, you know, um, their Facebook page and stuff. So when it gets to business, real um, top clients are not going to want to inbox you on Facebook. They want you to communicate in a better way. So I think those are the founding spaces wow. that we need to start really considering. How do we equip those soft skills? How do we equip... Even presentation, you know, I would. I was speaking to my sister over the weekend, and I said, every now and then, even those of us that went to maybe multiracial schools, we need to just go and do advanced English for business as a course. You know, mm-hmm. do a short course on that because that's gonna teach you how to use a certain language for the boardroom to get the results that you want. And sometimes we think, ah, I'm done. I just need, you know, I've got the knowledge. But that's where we then lose it because sometimes you know what you want to articulate but because you can't articulate it in that language that becomes your downfall Mm. for your company sure that is so powerful you know we do take it for granted that everybody knows and something as simple as you know writing an email Mm. um how to structure an email remember in my previous the place where i was employed um the the lady at the front desk would ask me to come and draft emails you know so sometimes we take it for granted that people can drop emails or use that professional language. So I think that's a big gap. You know, I feel like there's something that needs to be done, especially in our townships about equipping small business owners there with these soft skills, because as you, I mean, I'm imagining now, you know, um, some, a guy who kawash or a lady who owns a court, and now we are asking them to grow. We, we, we are trying to formalize the township economy. Yes. We can't do that without them having this basic knowledge. So I feel like that's a gap in the market for someone to actually even create a business solving that issue because it's, it's a big one. It is definitely a big one, but we're even speaking about graduates because my sister is working in a space where they're working a lot with graduates. And she was like, I'm shocked that a graduate couldn't do one, two, three, you know, like a professional email or whatever. And I said, no, I'm not shocked because having studied at university, I know that depending on what you are studying, if you're not in the IT space and stuff, the only time you interact with the computer is Word. You use Word, you use uh, PowerPoint for presentation. Those are the two. And this is you typing your essays or whatever to submit. Mm. You're not still learning, you know, how to type a professional letter, how to do this, how to interact. Yet when you get into the job space, that's one of the first thing that they want, they require. So maybe it's also something we need to actually even include from varsity stage and make it a compulsory uh, course where people can really have that soft skill because that becomes a differentiating factor between whether or not the person is com- comfortable enough. We're busy speaking coding now. When people can't even switch off the computer, on the computer, they don't know where to press, but we are busy saying coding, coding as a country. Sure. Sure, no, that's powerful. Yeah, no, mm. that, that is true. I've seen it as well, you know, in spaces where you, you wouldn't expect it, you know. So I really feel like, you know, you, you, you've mentioned such a big issue and I wish that somebody's already doing it. And if not, that people would have the passion to go into this space because that's a big gap that we, we need to solve here.
Indeed. Getting back into the business factor, I mean, of small business and uh, building contracts. How do how can we equip somebody who says, "All right, I hear you guys, and I've really learned a lot from this particular conversation you are having," but it's coming after my friend and I, or my brother and I, my twin brother and I have started the business already, and they, me coming now and saying, "Let's speak about contracts," will bend that bridge. How can they initiate that conversation without it now being like they're accusing the other or they are suspicious of the other, maybe that the other might turn on them when bigger opportunities come. So how do you introduce that conversation without kind of creating a space of mist- of looking as if you're acting out of distrust of the next person? Yeah, again, such a big one. You know, I personally have been in that situation where you know, we've been doing something and now I'm trying to introduce the signing of contracts and the giving out of percentages. And, you know, it started to become a bit awkward mm. <laughs> uh, because you don't seem like that guy. And it's, it's a big one, you know. Um, but I, what I've found is that one of the best ways you can do that, you know, is to, 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 to have an end, you know, to it. You know, let it be connected to something that you want to do. For example, um, you, you want to, you know, submit for funding or, you know, uh, uh, apply for government funding or be listed in some of the, um, you know, the supplier databases of companies because they do need things to be a bit more formalized. So if you put an end to it, say, Ish, you know, we need to formalize our structure because now we need these papers when we're going forward to the to apply to these places. So let's talk contract. Let's sit down. But again, you know, there is a difference between business and, and charity. So if you're a business owner, mm-hmm. you're going to have to have a lot of comfortable conversations. So you might as well practice now, um, <laughs> you know, having a comfortable conversation and putting things on the table and encouraging them as well to say, no, also voice out. This is a place where we're both voicing out how much we're going, we want and how much you want needs to be, you know, related to how much you're bringing in. So, you know, that's what I would say. Bring in the conversation you know, on top of a goal so that it doesn't come from nowhere. But, you know, be prepared to have those hard conversations as well. And I I agree with you that uh, having hard conversations, if you're going to grow anything, unfortunately, you're going to have to have those hard conversations and risk, take the risk of that relationship ending, but knowing that if it does end, you are still at a point where you were building to equip the business instead of saying, ah, I'm not going to have the conversations because I don't want to affect the relationship. But then at the same time, the business is suffocating and then it ends up dying, you know? So you need to choose which one is going to be alive. Sometimes <laughs> you need to choose your struggle. Wrapping up yeah. though, um, what would be your parting words to somebody who's listening and, um, who had not yet seen the value of contracts, they are now saying, where can I start? How, what are your parting words? And if there are any business you want to market or plug, do let us know that as well. All right, awesome. Thank you so much, Sipo. Yeah, I think what I would say um, is what I said, you know, earlier at the beginning, that the fact that, the fact that we are embarking, um, the government even is embarking on a journey to formalize the previously informal sector, particularly the one in townships, um, we're going to really need to start having these conversations and you're going to need to start, start upskilling yourself, lest it skips. You know, when these formal structures start coming in and businesses start getting formalized in the townships, you don't want to be left behind. You don't want to let your business be left behind because of your lack of knowledge. So mm-hmm. I would encourage everyone to start getting into understanding the paperwork behind it, you know, behind the business. 
you're great with selling your product, but now understand this because that is what is going to grow your business. That is what is going to make you a millionaire, not an informal business, a formal business. So if you want to move to that next level, you better be ready to equip yourself you know, at that level. So yeah, I think I, I would just encourage, because it is happening in Gauteng, we've enacted the um, Gauteng Township Econo Eco Economies Act. So a lot's happening. So let's get prepared, you know, for what's coming because it's going to be beautiful, I believe. Indeed. And um, yeah, I do have um, just two companies that, you know, we need to plug. And the first one is Sir Charles Consulting. Um, you can find them on Sir Charles, uh, Sir Charles Consulting. Um, business.co.za so they actually offer consultation on some of the issues that we've been talking about you know formalizing your business registering it and things along those lines Beautiful. and then there's free free lights is offering solar um solar installations they are based in cape town unfortunately i'm not sure when they're going to come this side but yeah um also just want to say you know they're there they're installing solar panels and houses you know in the in these days of <laughs> load shedding they might be needed Indeed, they might be needed, uh, really. So thank you so much for plugging those two businesses. But most importantly, thank you for making time um, to engage in this conversation because I think that it is the small things that we connect daily that ultimately allows us to be equipped to make the right decisions and then and be able to position our small businesses to be able to get the opportunities and the benefits of being in those cities. Like you're speaking about what's available. Maybe that's another thing that we need to touch on in the coming weeks is what opportunities are there in Gauteng for small businesses? Because a lot of people don't know. They're just looking at their primary uh, hustle with them baking cakes and going to the streets and selling. But they're actually... Um, or agencies and organizations and platforms that could help them where they don't need to use their own stove. They can use somebody else's stove. They don't need to use their mm. own uh, transport fuel. They can use somebody else's. So maybe that's one of the things we need to look into in the coming weeks of what opportunities are there, especially for counting-based uh, businesses to take advantage of, the, of you know? Sure, that would be awesome because there's so many in counting right now. Mm. Even tomorrow, they call the GP plug township retail opportunities. Um, it's happening at um, Togoza, Sam Duli Stadium in Togoza. So there are opportunities out there, and I think it's about time we really, you know, spread them as wide as possible. I love that. We'll look into that in the coming weeks. Have a fantastic day, and keep well. Thank you. Thank you. Keep well, and uh, bye to everyone, and I wish you all the best. See ya, Bonga. That's how we wrap up Manati Biz this Monday. You are listening to Hope Alive, streaming live from Hope Restoration Ministries, Kempton Park, South Africa.